Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I was listening to a news broadcast tonight while I was getting ready to come here. And they were commenting on a newscaster in, in England, in Britain, in Manchester, that said today, well, we're just going to go on as business as usual, and we're just going to keep going on and living. Now, on the surface, that sounds, well, you know, that's courageous. No, that's not courageous. That's cowardice. Because there are times when you and I need to stand up and say, no, this ain't going to be the way it's going to be. No, this isn't life as, as usual. No, this isn't the new normal. No, we resist you. We fight you. We come against you in the name of Jesus, and that's it. The enemy wants you to sit back and roll over. The enemy wants you to think this is the new normal. The enemy wants you to think that this is the way life is going to be. The enemy wants you to think that it's just normal for you to get attacked. For things to come against your mind, for things to come against your bodies, for things to come against your finances. No, no, in the kingdom of God, that is not normal. And in the kingdom of God, you and I have been given weapons. But they're not carnal weapons. They're not weapons of this earth. They're not... They're not physical weapons. They're spiritual weapons. And the most spiritual weapon, the most powerful weapon that you and I can use is the name of Jesus. So when you, you're sitting around at home and you see these horrific things that are going on around the world, don't just shrug your shoulders and say, well, that's just the way it is. No. No. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you stop now. We have authority. God has given us authority. Some of us just don't use it. Now, some of us never knew about I never knew about this kind of authority. When, before I became a Christian, even in the first year or two, didn't know much about it. Found out quick, though. Jesus, some of the last words that he spoke to the church were words of giving authority to the church to take responsibility for what happens on this planet. When something goes wrong on this planet, it's because somebody did not pray. Somebody ignored the Holy Ghost. Somebody ignored that voice on the inside. Someone got too busy and didn't pray. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out the things that were plotted behind the scenes that never took place because somebody woke up in the middle of the night and listened to the voice of the Holy Ghost and prayed. We're going to find out things, not even on a national or international level, on, on our own, in our own families. We're going to find out things that were coming towards us. Things that the enemy was trying to do. People that were coming down the block, coming to kill you or coming to rob you or coming to do something harmful to you, that somebody prayed and they stopped in their tracks and turned around and went the other way. And that's why we must pray. We must listen to the leading on the inside. Train yourself. You can be trained. Well, what if I make a mistake? So what? You make a mistake. That's how you learn. When you sense something on the inside, when you sense that God is telling you to pray about something, when, when God flashes somebody's face before your eyes, when, when you're, you're, you're minding your own business or could be about your job and all of a sudden you get this strong impression that something is wrong in an individual's life, dear God, stop and pray. Pray. Because we found that last week when we don't pray, things don't happen. When we do pray, things happen. Amen. 
So we're talking about prayer. The title of this message is We Must Pray, Must Pray, Part 2. That's where we're at. We're thinking of, of prayer is about asking God for something, and, and, and we should be, and, and, but it, our prayer should only be about asking. They should be about receiving. They should be about worship. They should be about thanksgiving. I think some of the greatest prayers that we forget to pray sometimes is a prayer of thanksgiving. Had a couple of you two guys came up last week or two weeks ago. All right, Joe and Lisa, you came up and, and, you, and I haven't heard somebody ask to pray that prayer in probably years. They came up and, you know, he had very narrowly escaped major damage in one of his eyes in an accident that took place on his job. And he said, we want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. We forget about those things. When we, we, we know how to pray when we need something. But then when it comes, do we bother to stop and pray? Father, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for sparing. Thank you for, for interceding. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for providing. Thank you for protecting. Thank you for defending. For whatever it is. We must pray. Think of this. Jesus left us on this earth after we get born again for two reasons. To reach others and to pray. Because yes. if somebody doesn't pray in the earth, it ain't going to happen. Things are not going to happen. And then the enemy has full, full reign. He can do whatever he wants. So we're not going to let that happen. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I'm just going to review real, real quick, and then we're going to try to wrap this up tonight. Well, not really. <laughs> Luke chapter 1. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. When you pray, say. You know, there's very, very, very few instances in the Word of God. I, honestly, I can only think of maybe one, and it's not even in that case, where, where people prayed silent prayers. And yet I see stuff on Facebook sometimes. It makes my stomach turn. Uh, silent prayer requests. Please be in agreement. Well, how am I going to be in agreement with you over something I don't know what you're praying about? What kind of religious garbage is that? Silent prayer requests. How do I know you're not praying for, for, for you to go rob a bank someplace? How do I know you're not praying for the person down the street's husband to leave them so that you can hook up with them? How am I supposed to agree in prayer if I don't know what you're praying about? I'll never forget, very early on, when I was first saved, first saved, uh, Pastor Joya, I don't know if you're going to remember this, but you were there th this time. We were in a, I, was, I had enrolled in a Bible school class. Well, I really didn't enroll. I just went to see what it was all about. And so we had a bunch of people there, and it was a Bible school class that was going on. And at the end of the class, the pastor that was there, good man of God, he's in heaven now, he, I saw two or three people around him, and I went over to see what they were doing. And he said, Joe, would you like to come and pray in agreement with us? We're agreeing, we're agreeing, I'm not mocking, or, or, or this isn't, I'm not picking on anybody. We're agreeing for the pastor to get an airplane. I thought to myself, what the heck does he need an airplane for? <laughs> I think you were there. And uh, I'm young, I, I don't know anything, I'm only saved a couple of months or whatever, but even then I still knew <laughs> something's not right here. I mean, you only got a few hundred people in the church. Where, where are you going to go with an airplane, you know? So, um, but then I found out later, it wasn't him that asked for the prayer. Because when I looked in his eyes, I thought to myself, he doesn't believe it either. <laughs> it was somebody else there that said, oh, God told me that you're going to need an airplane and all this other stuff. And so we prayed 
But I noticed even to this day, he's in heaven. He went to heaven, never got an airplane. Because there was no agreement. There was no agreement. See, that's why when you pray, you've got to make sure that you're praying based on what the Word of God says. Are you listening to me tonight? Because this is one of the areas where most Christians get disgusted and they go backwards because they pray and they don't get any answers. But they pray wrong. And let me tell you something, okay? Just because you slap in the name of Jesus on the end of a phrase doesn't mean that God has to honor it. In fact, in the Psalms, it tells us, move back. He honors his word even above his name. Are you listening to me? He honors his word above his name. Just because you slap in the name of Jesus on the end of something. No, because you hear some stupid prayers in Jesus' name. And I'm like, that ain't going anywhere. So, we saw last week that, ah, let's go back to this. Let's finish this. Let's review a little bit more because I have a feeling there's some people here tonight that maybe weren't here last week. All right, so let's look at this prayer. When you, when you pray, say. So we know that we have to say. So when you're saying, you're, what? you're speaking, right? You're speaking, all right. When you pray, say. And this brings me to another thing, okay? I, I, think, I think maybe we're going to extend this a little bit more on this subject of prayer because I, I, I see a lot of people, and I even catch myself sometimes, Praying to God when we should be speaking to something. There's a big difference between a, a prayer, a request, and a, com- and a commanding prayer. Are you listening? Big difference. So when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, we need to acknowledge that God's in heaven. Holy is your name. You know, hallowed means holy, separate uh, is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, and we established last week that the whole reason why we should pray is that whatever situation we're praying about would change. And it would change from the way it is on earth to the way it should be in heaven. Amen? Are you guys getting this? Because some of you look at me like, tilt. If there's no, there's, if you're not going to change something, then why pray? Now we need to be careful that we don't pray just to be seen by other people praying or to just fulfill a religious duty that we feel like we have on the inside. All right? Um, can I throw this out there? And please don't get mad at me. You know, the closer you stick to the Word of God, the more correction we're going to get. Because the Word of God brings correction to us. Because sometimes we just do things out of religious tradition. Are you listening? We just do things out of religious tradition. But then the word of God comes and brings us correction. And we need to take that correction and change things. Amen. So when we're praying, we should be praying on earth as it is in heaven. Not on earth as it is on, on earth. And I, and I want to stress this because, again, too many people don't get answers to their prayers because they're not praying right. If you're praying about a situation and you want it to change, but you keep speaking what's happening, you're enforcing on earth what's already on earth. Are, are you getting this? Yes. For instance, if you're in financial distress and you pray, and you're praying 
Father, uh, you know, even if you know a little bit of the word, your word says in Philippians that you're going to supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus, depending on the translation. Okay? So, so let's say you're praying that way about your finances, but then you keep talking about how bad your finances are. And you keep grumbling because it's not happening. And you keep telling, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just in bad shape. I'm, I'm just, Sheila, I'm in bad shape. The finances are rough. I can't pay my bills. But you just prayed, Father, thank you that you said in your word that you're the one that's going to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Well, so, 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 Joe, how's your finances? Sheila, they're in bad shape. You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? If you, keep, if you keep referring to them the way they were, you are praying on earth as it is on earth. You have to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because the whole idea of prayer is to change the things that are happening on earth so they would match up with the things that are happening in heaven. And in heaven, there is no financial lack. In heaven, there is no poverty. In heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no depression. In heaven, there is no, there's no attacks from the devil. But if you keep magnifying those things that you say you're praying to change, you're not praying on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, pray from heaven's perspective, not from the perspective on the earth. Is this clear now? Yes. All right, good. So let's go to the next part of this. Give us day by day our daily bread. In other words, we need to be thankful on a daily basis that we're receiving this. Go ahead. And forgive us our sins. We know that's already been taken care of. For we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Now that's conditional because it depends on you. Are you forgiving? Are you releasing people at may have hurt you, may have offended you. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, so we understand that prayer is this thing that has been given to us as a privilege. It's an honor. It's communicating with God. However, when we don't do, when we don't pray, things happen that are not supposed to happen, and the things that are supposed to happen don't happen. Last week, we talked about the story in Joshua chapter 9. I, I really don't even want to go there. I'm just going to paraphrase it because I want to move on and get into the other material tonight. And, and, and Joshua had, had taken over from Moses. When Moses died, Joshua is now leader of the people. It's up to him now to take them the rest of the way into the promised land. It takes them across the Jordan River. Jordan River parts. They go across on dry land. They come up on the other side. And, and they're facing Jericho. You know the story about Jericho. They marched around seven times, blasted the trumpets. The walls fell down. They destroyed Jericho. They destroyed the next city, Ai. And the neighbors around heard about this. And they masqueraded themselves. They dressed up as if they had come from a far country. They put on old clothes. They put on worn sandals. They took bread that was moldy. They took wine that was already, you know, uh, spoiled and things of this nature. And they tried to convince the people of Israel that we've come from a long journey to come and speak to you. We live far away. And we've heard about what you did to Jericho and Ai. And we've heard about what happened at the Red Sea 40 years ago. And we heard about what God, what your God did to the Egyptians. And we want to make a peace treaty with you. Make a peace treaty with us so that you won't destroy us. And the Bible tells us very specifically that they looked, Joshua and the elders of Israel looked at all the evidence, which was all natural evidence. And it says that they did not consult with the Lord, which tells us they didn't pray. They didn't ask God what we should do. They went on the natural evidence, and we do this all the time. We let natural evidence speak so loudly to us. 
And yet the spiritual reality is completely different. So because they didn't, they didn't pray, they didn't take any kind of, uh, they didn't consult with the Lord, they made an agreement with people who they found out were just living over the other side of the hill. People that God has said, you need to displace them, you need to move them out, you need to get rid of them. And yet, isn't it interesting that once they made that agreement with those people, God held them to it. God didn't allow them to breach that agreement. God didn't allow them to get out of that agreement. And so the lesson that we learned last week is sometimes we get stuck with Gibeonites, that people were, were the people of Gibeon. We get stuck with Gibeonites the rest of our lives because we didn't pray. We get involved in wrong relationships, wrong business partnerships. We get involved with people that we got no business getting involved in. Are you listening to me? And it's all because we didn't pray. So now I want to take you to another portion of Scripture. What happens when we do pray? Because we want to get some good news tonight, right? All right. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. Let's stop right here, so I don't want to just pull something out of context. The book of Acts is the history of the early church. It begins with Jesus still on the scene. For chapter 1 is when he ascends into heaven. He gives them direction. He gives them orders to follow. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes from heaven to reside on the earth, comes to reside in each one of the believers. They receive their baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all received this heavenly language. All, every one of them, every one of the disciples received this heavenly language, this supernatural way to communicate with God. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Peter gets up that same day and preaches a little message about 15 minutes long, and thousands of people become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that launches the church. Okay? So, years later, they're still in Jerusalem, even though Jesus has said, go start in Jerusalem, but then spread this gospel and take it to the uttermost parts of the earth. But they're still there. And so persecutions begin to break out. The Jews now, the Jewish leaders are turning on them. King Herod wants to gain favor. He wants to become, he wants the Jews to see him in a good light. And so it says here that about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Verse 2, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. What happens here? He's executed. He's beheaded. Verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, which is what? Passover, which is what, about what time of the year for us? Easter time, celebrating the resurrection. So he proceeded to seize Peter. So he figures, hey, this worked out really good. We executed James. Everybody's happy. They're all pleased with me. Let's go after Peter. And it says, and this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Verse 4, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So you got this? Peter is considered so dangerous that he's, he's in prison with 16 soldiers guarding him. 16. All right, you got this? Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. After the holiday, he's going to bring him out. He's going to make a big spectacle of things. And then he's going to have Peter executed this way. They will love him even more. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. Would you read the rest of this with me? But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What was the church doing? Let's start again. So Peter was kept in prison, but 
the church was earnestly praying to God for him. For who? For Peter. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed through the first guards, the first and second guards, and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were, ho were, were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They're doing what? Praying. I think the rest of the story is pretty funny if you think about it here. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Now watch, they're praying. Yes? And the church was praying. Their response to this woman, verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. When they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Now what just happened here? In the beginning of this chapter, we saw that King Herod seized hold of James, the brother of John, and executed him. He's dead. However, this must have shaken up the church because they realized, wait a second, none of us prayed for James. And what did they do? They began to pray earnestly, it says, to God for who? Peter. Peter's outcome was very different than James' outcome. Why? What's the only thing? We got the same crazy king. We got the same prison. We have the same power to execute. What made the difference? Prayer. They prayed. They prayed. And now thank God for this example. Thank God that we see that people got an answer to prayer. But look at the humanity of this. They're in the house praying. They're praying for Peter to get delivered. They're praying for Peter to be spared. Peter shows up at the door and they think it's a ghost. Isn't that typical sometimes of the way we pray? The doctor gives you a bad report. You get together with a couple of people, you pray, you go back next week and they go, we, you know, we, you know, I don't know what happened. Well, we can't find anything. And what do we say? Are you sure? <laughs> Just like the disciples, when the woman came and said, Peter's at the door. And they said, you're out of your mind. So now watch this now. 
How much faith does it require for us to get a prayer answered? A mustard seed, because uh, that's obviously all they had. <laughs> Somebody in that group, at least one person in that group, had enough faith to believe that God could deliver Peter. Now, now there's another side to this. Do you remember the last conversation that Jesus had with Peter? Peter, do you love me? Okay, he, he asked him three times, three times, Peter said yes. And then it goes on to say in that chapter, Jesus said to Peter, someday, they're going to take you by the hands when you're old and take you someplace you don't want to go. And it says, and this he signified, the type of death that Peter would have. But, but, but Jesus said, someday when you're old, someday when you're old, Peter knows he's not done yet. But watch this now. Peter is so secure in that word that Jesus gave him that the angel has to slap him to wake him up. Now let me ask you this question, and, and, and again, we're, we're, just, we're human beings, just like they were human beings, just like we're human beings. If you were in prison and you're surrounded with 16 soldiers, you got, you're actually tied to two of them by chains. And the next day, you're facing a trial, and probably at the end of that trial, your head's going to get chopped off just like James's. How would you sleep? Let's be honest with each other. How, how would you sleep? Probably wouldn't. Probably, if anything, probably stay up all night praying, all night praying, all night praying. Wasn't that a good thing? But Jesus had already told him what the outcome was going to be. Listen, church, okay? I'm not trying to be a wise guy up here tonight, but God's already told you what the outcome's going to be in the Word of God. Well, pastor, you're saying we don't have to pray? No, no, I didn't say that. But, but it's how we pray. If we're praying like the promises of God didn't even exist, but if we're praying, Father, this looks bad. I'm not going to deny the situation. This looks bad. However, in your word, in Psalm 91, you said that you would protect me. You said that you would exalt me. You said that you would deliver me. You said that you would lift me up on high. You said all these. You, you see where I'm going with this? You see where I'm going with this? See, see, it's how we pray about these things that really, really matters most. They prayed earnestly to God for him. But when the answer came, they weren't sure. Now, we see a big difference in the security that Peter had and in the security that the disciples had that were praying for him. And in this case, we've got to say, thank God that he wasn't completely dependent on their prayers. He had a word from Jesus. You have a word from Jesus. But if you're going about life, and if you're, if you're conducting yourself like that promise didn't exist, if you're, conducting, if, you're, if you're carrying yourself as if God has forgotten you, and, and he said multiple times, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But if you're, if you're praying like God doesn't even exist, you can't get mad when the prayer doesn't get answered. Now, it seems like, and I say this because, it, you know, it's not a blanket statement. It seems like 
we get away with more the less we know. When we first come to Christ, it's like his mercy extends towards us because we don't really know much. And so whatever you, whatever, as long as, as long as you're just praying out in faith towards God, you may not know the word yet. You may not know, God will answer you. I'll never forget our son Michael. And I think I've told this story, uh, I don't know, I don't think recently. Um, Michael, when Michael was born, and my, our son Michael's the one who's in Australia now, when he was born, he almost died on us. Um, he was born, he, when he was born, he was navy blue. His, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, and the doctor came in at the split second and released him and saw all the breath of, I saw life come back into him. And, and that was like one of, the, one of the things that God used. He didn't cause it, but God used that to really, really, really get my attention to realize, wow, how God has protected my family and my son. But so, so you, when you go through something like that with your child, you have the tendency to be a little bit more protective of that child. You have a tendency to, to kind of like, what's that word? Uh, dote over? Like, you know, and I'm not saying that's a good thing to do, but I found myself doing that because I was like, like this, he almost died on us. And so anytime he would get any kind of uh, uh, cough or a, a sickness or anything like this, um, you know, it, it, would, it, would really, uh, it would really get to us. You know, it would really cause fear to rise up. Now I'm talking about 32 years ago. I'm not talking about now. Okay, so he has an attack. My wife calls me at work and says, you need to come home. Uh, the baby's not doing well. He's, 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 he's just, he, his complexion is like milk. He's not breathing good. So I run home from, from, from whatever I did in the business. I don't remember. Left the place, ran home, got, grabbed her, grabbed him. She had already called the doctor, brought him to the doctor's office, and the doctor looked at him and said to Tetas, you got about an hour to get this kid to the hospital. And, and, and uh, you know, I'll meet you there. Get him there right now. Get him there right now. You got to get him to the hospital as soon as possible. Um, so, so we get now, now, mind you, now, I'm only born again in a few months. I don't really know much about anything. But this part I knew. I had a knowing on the inside. That's why I said before about thanking God for the Holy Ghost. Sometimes, sometimes, and thank God that the Holy Spirit will bypass your ignorance to get your attention. And I knew that I knew that I knew. You see, the Holy Ghost, Jesus said the Holy Ghost will show you things to come. We think it's only good things that he'll show you to come. The Holy Ghost will show you good things, he'll show you, he'll show you everything. And I knew on the inside from the Holy Spirit that if I took this child straight to the hospital, he's going to die. I knew that. So we left the doctor's office and my wife wasn't a believer yet. And I said to her, Barb, I know you're not going to understand this, but I need you to trust me. I've got to stop by the church. She had never been there. I hardly knew the pastor at that point. But I knew this on the inside. I need to let my pastor pray for this baby. And so we, we detoured, went to the, to the church. Now, again, I don't know much about anything, but I knew this. I've got to get this child to my pastor, and then I'll bring him to the hospital if he needs it. So we get to the church, and I burst in there. I'm crying. I'm holding the baby in my hands. Michael's limp. I'm holding my hands. But you stayed in the car, right? You didn't come inside because you were scared. I burst into the office, and, I, and I'm crying. And the associate pastor, you remember Ron Cecilia? Cecilia. Right? He comes up. What's going on? I said, baby. And he smacks me. Whack! Right across the face. Shut up! Nothing's going to happen to this child. 
I'm like, okay. The pastor comes out, the two of them lay hands on that baby because the Bible says, Jesus told us to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They put their hands on that child and I saw his complexion, the color just change right in front of me. And so they're praying, they're praying, you know, they're praying. I'm just standing there watching. I don't know anything. All I knew is I knew on the inside. I got to get this kid to my pastor first. And then we'll bring him to the hospital. So by the time we get to the hospital, the doctor's furious. He had an oxygen tent ready. He had everything ready for this baby. He claimed the baby was having an asthma attack. And Michael was only, what, about four months old? Five months old at the most. So he's like coming at me. I said, Doc, excuse me. You got your way of doing things? We got our way of doing things. Check the baby. Check the baby. Check the baby. He checks the baby. I don't understand. I said, I didn't expect you to. I don't even understand what just happened. All I know is I stopped at our church and asked our pastor to pray for this baby. He didn't get admitted to the hospital. He didn't even give him a shot. He didn't spend more than 15 minutes there checking him. We took the baby home. Now, now, now what happened here? Thank God. Thank, but listen to me. And some of you don't believe it, and that's between you and God. But listen to me. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. That when we're ignorant, now ignorant is not stupid. Ignorant is not disobedient. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge. I did not have enough knowledge to handle the situation myself. Now, let's fast forward about 12 months. Michael's about 18 months old. His legs look like a cowboy. His legs are all bowed. And this was bothering me. I don't, I, want, I don't want my son to form. We had talked about taking him to the doctors and all this other kind of stuff. But it's a year later. I've learned some things. I've read some things. I've seen things. I've researched things. So now, and, and this story I told, I think, recently, but it, it, it kind of fits in here to show the difference you remember the, the, the evangelist that came to our church years ago that had been in a coal mine that collapsed on him and his spine was crushed? And, and the x-rays still showed that his spine was crushed, but he's walking around fine and traveling all every state in the United States healing people. So we had gone to this service here, and I hear the testimony of this gentleman, exactly what I just said. Um, this evangelist, I mean, he became evangelist after this happened. And he talked about how when he was traveling from one city to the next to go preach at another church, uh, he saw a car accident happen. He saw the ambulance. He saw the fire trucks. And the, and the Lord says to him, stop and go pray for that man in that car. So he stops, pulls the car over. As he's heading towards the car, the policeman stops him and says, excuse me, I'm a minister of the gospel, and I'm, uh, I want to pray for this man. He says, no use praying for this man. He's dead already. And so he starts going back to the car, and the Lord says to him, uh, I told you to go pray for that man. So he started walking back, and then another one, the ambulance worker or somebody there said, well, what are you doing? Well, I need to pray for this man. He said, there's nothing to pray for. He's all chopped up in pieces under the dashboard. So he starts walking back to the car, and guess what? The Lord said, I told you to go back and pray for that man. So he waited till nobody was looking. He slept, you know, slid up next to the car, shoved his hand under the dashboard, said it felt like mush, and he went, in the name of Jesus, live, and he heard, 
you sit in a service and you hear somebody tell a testimony like that, I'm like, yeah, give me somebody to, I'm looking for a car accident on the way home. So I go home and I had picked up this man's book about his life and stuff. And so the next day I'm sitting in the family room and I'm reading about this and I'm getting pumped up even more because now I'm reading about all these other testimonies about how God used him and about how he still, at that time, I don't, he probably went home to be with the Lord now. That was 30 years ago, more than that. <clears throat> he would carry the x-rays around with him from church to church and show this x-ray. <laughs> His back is crushed, but he's walking around. He even, he even contacted the Social Security and, and uh, Disability and said, you know, I don't feel right taking these checks because, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going around and I'm ministering. He said, well, it doesn't matter. The x-rays show your back is crushed. He said, hallelujah, took the checks. <laughs> So, so when I get, I'm home, I'm reading the book. Now, Barbara had been out food shopping. And um, I don't know if you had both boys, but you had Michael. I know that with you. And so uh, when she pulled up, I obviously stopped doing what I'm doing, going out and get all the groceries and bring him to the house. And she takes Michael. She's got Michael in one hand. I'd probably Joe in the other. And she takes Michael and she puts him in a playpen in the living room. Remember playpens? I've got it in for the person who stopped making playpens. <laughs> But that was the most phenomenal gift from God. <laughs> you put him in there and... So, so now watch this now. As she's passing me, I just put my hand on his leg. She puts him in the playpen. I go get the groceries. I come back. I walk place the playpen. I'm like... His leg straightened up. So I said, Barb, I said, Barb, come here, look at this. I said, is it me or is this his leg, you know, his leg strained up. I said, oh my God. Now watch this now. I didn't need to go to the pastor because I had learned some things. I had seen some problems. I understood the power of the laying on of hands during that 12-month period. Because I had seen my pastor lay hands on the sick. I saw him. I, I, I don't know if you remember th this one. There was a woman, that, no, there was a young man that the father had taken him out of community hospital, brought him to one of the Sunday night meetings. The kid was supposed to have a kidney transplant that week. And Roy laid hands on him. The father took him to the doctor the next day to be supposed to go in for a pre-op. And then the next Sunday night they came and said, when the doctor examined, they said, I don't know what happened, but this kid's got two brand new kidneys. Wow. So when you sit in a church and you see that kind of stuff happen, I'm like, well, I got two hands. That's who, who in here has got two hands? I, I got two hands. And so now, now, now watch this now. Early on, I didn't know that I had two hands. You understand what I'm talking about. But now I've learned a few things. Now, I would venture to say, and I don't know this 100%, but I would venture to say that if I would have tried to bring him to the pastor for those legs to get straightened out, it might not have worked. Why? Because God gave me the authority. God's promise is as good to me as it was to the pastor. Now, listen to me, church, okay? Because there are some of you here that don't know this yet. You have just as much authority from the Lord Jesus Christ to get, 
to get the dead raised, the sick healed, the blind eyes to see, the deaf ears to hear, the lame to walk. You've got that same authority in you. But because of your religious training, you think you've got to bring the person to me or to somebody on the front row and all these other things. And the fact of the matter is, God wants to use you. We must pray. And we must pray with authority. We, we can't pray like they prayed in the early church. In the early church, they didn't believe when the answer came. You and I need to pray and we need to give thanks even before it happens. Are you listening to me? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.